All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fucking ears? What the fuck, Nicks? What the fuckstables? What the fuckaholics? That's enough. This is Mark Marin. This is WTF. Thank you for listening to my show. Today on the show, Tom Kenny, the voice of SpongeBob and many other of your favorite voices. Uh, I remember Tom from when I was in college and just starting to do uh, comedy in Boston. The Tomcat, they called him. He was uh, Bobby Goldthwaite's uh, best friend. Uh, who, Of course, that's where you get the Bobcat and the Tomcat. I also mentioned that Bobby Goldthwaite is uh, directing four episodes of my show. I was just at the vet with Monkey. You, you know, the cat situation here is you know, un- unraveling. When it rains, it pours, I guess. Poor guy's been uh, vomiting for the last three days. God, I hope he's okay. Still no sign of Boomer. But Boomer lives in my heart and my mind and the heart and minds of many. But I can't handle if Monkey's sick too. Jesus, I just left him at the vet because he's so freaked out. You put him in the cage, he freaks out. He peed in his cage, so now he's covered in pee. He doesn't like being out of the house. And uh, you know, I had to leave him over there to get x-rays to make sure he didn't eat something like a cap or a twisty or those things that cats play with. No matter how many toys you buy a cat, the amount of joy they get from that thing you pull off the top of a lid that needs to be unscrewed is baffling. You're surrounded by catnip toys, but you're going to play with garbage? Hopefully there's nothing in them, but we had to give him a little, uh, we had to get him high first over there at the vet just so he'll lay down for an x-ray. Uh, so that's what's happening. Let's. It's been a little, you know, I get only two days off a week now, like everybody else in the world, because I'm working, and I wanted to relax this weekend, and it hasn't panned out that way. Yesterday, I uh, I drove my car because I've become obsessed with getting a uh, stereo system that will play vinyl appropriately. So in my mind, appropriately means the way I heard it in high school. And in my mind, that means I should get roughly the same equipment that I had in high school in 1976 or 77 or whenever the hell it was. So it just happens there's a store here in, uh, well, not far from me, that deals in stereo merchandise from the 70s. So I drive over there. Look, I, I was under the illusion that the equipment I had was good equipment. Now I find out that it's not good equipment at all. It was shitty equipment. I think I brought this up already. So I go over to this place, and I'm thinking about spending $300 on a Marantz receiver and some speakers that are 30 years old. But in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, they've, they have to have updated the technology in a positive way. Maybe you don't want to get 30-year-old speakers for $90. Maybe you should go get something else. Go get some nice stereo equipment. You got a couple bucks saved up. Go pick yourself up some high-end stereo equipment. So then I go back out to my car after sitting in the uh, in the stereo store with this guy, trying to figure out what was wrong with my speakers, which I, one of them is fucked up, and my car won't start. I drove it down; it won't start. So I, I don't know what to do. Uh, but I'm a grown up. I don't freak out. That's that's where I'm at in my life now. Where I was proud of myself that when the car didn't turn over. I didn't destroy my day, my girlfriend's day, everybody around me's day. Uh, I didn't lose it. Uh, I was going to call AAA, decided not to. Call my friend Ryan Singer, who came down with his beat-up Camry and jumped me, got it jumped, and then uh, we went out and had some lunch. It definitely reminded me of how I lived my life when I had nothing to do. Say in high school, early on in my comedy career, that that my my battery dying was almost a gift in the sense that it enabled me to spend time with my buddy Ryan, who I haven't been spending time with. So I kind of looked at it like that. It reminds me of that bit of business in that uh, Ian Fraser book on the res uh, about the Indian reservations and, uh, and and how they 
how how certain people pace out their day. Like they, there was this one bit in there that I never really forgotten that they don't really ha- have alarm clocks, but what the, what they would do is they would drink a lot of water the night before if they needed to wake up early because they needed to have to wake up to pee. And really, an entire day could have been you know just going and getting a car part in you know uh, an hour away and just build your day around that. So me and Ryan had a a fairly lovely day around the battery. Great day with Ryan Singer, all around something that could have been very upsetting. Well, not, you know, it's not that upsetting, but fuck it. It was like high school, man. Just hang out. We'll deal with it. So after me and Ryan have our day around the failed battery and we bond and we eat and he goes his way and I go mine, I decide to go to a high-end stereo store because I'm thinking like, how much could it cost to get a really good stereo? And I'll tell you how much. And this is on the low end side, 10,000 fucking dollars. When did that happen? I just want, I don't even need a record player. I just need an, an amplifier and some speakers. And I went to this place and uh, I, I've been obsessed with Macintosh equipment, not Apple Macintosh, but MAC, you know, the uh, American made amplifiers and they do speakers and stuff. Since I interviewed Jack White, because he had just, of course, that he had Macintosh amplifiers everywhere around him. Beautiful new ones. And I'm like, what is it? He's got like 20 of them. What does it cost to get one of those? I'll tell you what it costs. $4,000 for an amplifier. And then, of you know, there's the whole selling angle on it. It's like, well, this is something you'll have for the rest of your life. I, I would hope so. I hope it would exist after me. But, you know, you leave thinking like, well, I guess, you know, maybe that maybe that would be great because even if I eventually move to a different house or if all else fails, I'll have this investment. I'll have this amplifier. I'll be on the street with my amplifier, perhaps trying to sell it. I don't know, man. I, I should just go to like Best Buy or something. I mean, I've never listened to records through anything other than apparently shitty equipment. So maybe I should just go get some new shitty equipment. Yeah, that's what I'll do. Uh, my girlfriend, Jessica, has been uh, doing these. Uh, I, I think she should open up some sort of a holistic skincare operation out of the house. I, I think we're very we're just short of the point where where we're going to have uh, the, the Jessica brand facial products. And the newest one that she's been working on is an activated charcoal facial mask, which is supposed to be good for the face. I guess that activated charcoal is one of those miracle things put in your face you can eat it you can put it on your teeth you can uh, throw it in the air you can snort it yeah i don't know what but she whipped it up she puts it on the first time uh, on her face and she comes out of the bathroom and she's in blackface there, there's no other way to describe it other than than she's in blackface now obviously that wasn't the intention but that was the effect i was glad it was healthy for her face but now i'm, I'm in a situation because part of me thinks like there, there's something cute about it. Maybe we should have sex with that on. And then I thought, well, would that be uh, politically incorrect? Would that be racially inappropriate? It, it just made everything racially charged in my house. And, and, I, and I had a slight bit of guilt about all of it. And she's been doing it regularly. And I have not asked her to sing. So I guess I'm still you know, within the, the boundaries of this is clinical. It's not uh, racist. All right. Oh, that's good. Hamica tea. Make it outside. Let's talk to Tom Kenny. Tom Kenny. Approaching the mic. Here in the garage. 
You want earphones? Don't you use cans? Oh, yeah. Sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. Wow, cans. You are a happen in the know. You yeah. Know all the, huh? uh, you know all the lingo. I got cans if you need them. <laughs> so Tom Kenny with his SpongeBob scripts. Those are those. Are how many scripts you got there? Well, this is just a storyboard. This oh. is an 11 minute, but it's, uh, you know, like 200 do you find, semi pages. Do you find. Because I thought that you would have another comedian I it, I know. doing a thing, I know. and then I'd have to do homework. No, I'm no. I'm multitasking. No, I'm trying I, to, we we're talking about time management. Uh, I run a type chip here. You're it today. Damn, all right. I've been, you know, you, I've been pursuing you as a guest. Is that right? Sure. Wow. I, I'm a big Tom Kenny fan. I don't. I've been scared to come on. I don't, why? Well, because I, I feel, you know, I called Bobcat yeah. uh, yesterday and I said, yeah. you know, I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to be uh, interesting enough. I don't have any conflict. I, you know, I can't come out like like Todd Glass. I'm not going <laughs> to fight him like Gallagher. I'm not a provocateur like you, Bob. You know, it's like it's like I'm, I'm like a reasonably contented guy with a wife and kids. You know, what's that good? That's good for 30 seconds. No, you're a monster talent. <laughs> I'm a monster. You are, you are a huge uh, star of the voice. All right. But, I love it. But like I just did uh, my first uh, sort of um, real animation voice. And I had no idea that like I was in the studio. I did a, a squirrel. I was a squirrel. Oh, I've been squirrels. Yeah. Yeah. But but they but they seem to hire me specifically. for. I'm like, what voice you want me to do? I don't really. And they're like, no, no, just be you. So you want a cranky, neurotic squirrel? Exactly. Perfect. Well, exactly. Well, that's because you have an actual product right. that you sell. You have a a, a, a vehicle, a right. character, yeah. a Mark Marin yeah. that you inhabit yeah they wanted me and they want that, that. i Whereas, worked hard on that i took i don't have that no, you know you, what i mean I i'm like I, i'm like chameleon guy so it's it's just like you know i'm like white bread uh you know uh are you though well i mean you're, you're listen a, to my voice you're a riff monster i mean you are a, a comedic mind you have a, a great style and pace i i know you as a stand-up but what i was going to say is that they put the the storyboards which are very rough up on up on the on a screen so what show is it uh adventure time I just, I do it all the time. I did it yesterday. I'm the Ice King. I'm the main bad guy on that show. <laughs> I didn't, we didn't yes, have together. I, I kidnap princesses in order for them to hang out with me. <laughs> but but the storyboards are rough and they're just sketches and that like that was supposed to help me. It, it didn't really help me. Like it was just like an outline of a squirrel. I never really watched the show, but I, I didn't pay attention to the storyboard. And you have storyboards. Does that help you? It helps to, me with uh, with Adventure Time or a show like because uh, you need to know SpongeBob. like okay I'm underwater yeah <laughs> and and you know these are pretty I mean uh, uh, you know Those are vis detailed. visual aids work really great on 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 a podcast but uh, you know th these are pretty uh, oh, those are detailed these That's are like, pretty detailed those are like graphic novels so a lot of it is looking at the at the. Uh, uh, the situation the expression on sure. his face and you know how loud is he screaming how far is he falling and really you could probably figure some of that stuff out or just have it told to you at the session without looking at the storyboard but it's the shortest distance between two points right you know? they, yeah you they want just, me to give me that you want me to throw that yeah, aside can i yes, get rid of that i heard they were going to ban these and uh, uh, yeah no i use these as my cover so it doesn't <laughs> scare you plastic bags but i swear tom i mean the reason that that i i wanted to talk to you is that i i remember you I we go actually oh, further back. <laughs> we go further back than I remember you from played against Sam's in the basement in that comedy room in Alston, Massachusetts, uh, in, in outside of you know in Boston. I remember your stand up. I remember I remember all of that. Yes, I, I lived right around. Uh, I lived right around the corner uh, from there. But a lot of people, I don't know if people know this that, uh, and, and I don't really know the whole story of it. That you sort of came down from the north with with Bobcat. <laughs> And you were, uh, yeah, <laughs> and you yeah. were the Tomcat. It was Bobcat and Tomcat. Yeah, from from Syracuse, New York. Uh, uh, I came down to Boston. Yeah, in I don't know eighty two, eighty three, 
after Bob was kind of vacating it already, Bob right. had, had put his first feelers out into San Francisco right. and said, wow, this is for me. I remember he had a garage sale on stage. I went to it <laughs> at Stitches. Right. Do you remember that? I, I, I wasn't there yet, I don't right. think. But Bobcat basically set me up in Boston. He said, you know, you're funny. Syracuse, y- you can't do it were you guys friends there though oh lifelong really literally lifelong friends like from childhood from childhood since uh first grade so you knew his weird family and everything big time (laughs) we we knew each other's families we you know we we hung out at each at each other's uh houses and uh yeah i think my family was maybe uh not quite as kooky as as bob's yeah uh they're all kooky in their own way yeah but, but bob and i met in first grade and he's told this story many times where uh not to uh, me. There were two different first grades. We went to Catholic school in yeah. East Syracuse, New York. And a nun, uh, there were two different first grades. Each of them was taught by a nun. He was in one class. I was in the other. We didn't really know each other. But then one day, his nun came dragging him in by the ear, like Curly from the Three Stooges. And just drags him in. And the nun is crying. And yeah. Bob is crying. Yeah. And uh, she said, you know, sister, I just, sister Margareta, I just can't take the Goldthwait boy anymore. I just, I don't know what to do. He has me crazy. I can't, you need to take him for a while. And she walked out and I, I just went, wow, I think I need to get to know this kid. You know what I mean? Because he, because he wasn't, you know, he, he didn't mean to make the nun cry. He felt bad too. And he was crying. I don't know what's wrong with me. <laughs> you know, I just, he's an empathetic, beautiful uh, yeah, person. Yeah. And he was at six years old. <laughs> so then we become, you know, uh, lifelong friends. How the nicknames Tweens, come? Teenagers, mm-hmm. uh, you know, obsessed with SNL and uh, especially SCTV, Andy Kaufman, uh, you know, early Steve Martin, you know, punk rock, Ramones. So you guys were, you would sit around uh, as kids and watch uh, the comedy. Oh yeah, yeah, and fantasize about what would it be like to do it. And did you do sketches and shit? Yeah, yeah. That's kind of how the part of the story of how the Bobcat and Tomcat names came along was that we were still in high school and we answered an ad. Hey, have you ever wanted to do comedy? We're starting a comedy night at this bar in Skinny Atlas, New York. That was probably a forty-five minute drive from from where we live yeah uh, called the old stone mill and contacted this person and that was kind of before the comedy boom you know a couple years later a zillion people would have answered that ad right well in 1978 or 79 it was only like four right and two of them were bob and i and the person who took out the ad was barry crimmins oh barry yes uh, Mm -hmm. uh, you know political uh Mm -hmm. satirist and Mm -hmm. You know, great really comic, respected, yeah. great yeah. comic, re- really iconic. Yeah. You know, and we answered the ad, and he was just like, "Oh, brother, kids!" You know, he was just <laughs> he used to call us a, a fucking kitty core, great. You know, but he, he really grew to like us and respect us because he saw we were trying to do our own thing. We didn't know what we were doing. You were doing a team thing. Um, you know, sometimes we were, and then sometimes we would go up separately. Yeah. You know, we didn't know what we were doing. Yeah. And uh, but we we're trying to kind of channel the stuff that we liked yeah which was everything from woody allen like i said to to kaufman and and you're yeah, so everything you're so different stylistically you're like sort of a, you you operate at a very fast uh you know uh intellectual clip and bobby just sort of like yeah well i think the the main difference between bob and i was that he was very into getting a reaction and pushing buttons yeah which he still is yeah to this day he would rather make an audience squirm and be uncomfortable than 
make them go, wow, that was the tightest, most explosive 55-minute set I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah. He'd rather have them leaving going, fuck, that was really yeah, weird. What, what I'm, happened? I, it wasn't bad, but yeah. I, I'm going to be thinking about that for, for two years. Yeah. And he goes, yes, you yeah. know, that's what that's what he likes. But uh, Bear, Barry Crimmins was nicknamed Bearcat. Oh, really? And everybody <laughs> called him Bearcat around yeah. this bar. Yeah. And then we sort of uh, making fun of that, started calling ourselves Bobcat and Tomcat. And it just it, it kind of stuck. Everybody in our hometowns, in, in my hometown, still calls me Tomcat because it became our yeah. It, you know, it's just how everybody knows you. It's like Beaver. Yeah, you know, it's yeah. like uh, yeah. You know. What was it? What, what was the first intention though? Like, I mean, did you always think it was going to be comedy? I mean, did, like, I, did you have like it, with your career? When when I really think about it, and and knowing you as a stand up, I mean, how, could you have ever imagined that you would be the you know the most sought after uh, voice guy in Hollywood? Well, I don't know about sought at, most sought after in Hollywood, but I, I definitely thought about being a voice guy all the time. Really? Back then, yes. Because I remember, didn't you do like weird impressions? Didn't you do like Mr. Haney and like, you know, like. Yeah, I was never really good at impressions and I wasn't really interested in doing impressions, right? Like when we came up, impressions was like the. The yeah, province yeah. of hacks. Yeah, you know, right, right. A, oh, who, you know, I don't want to see a guy some, do Johnny did, Carson or you something. Did some, some some abstract Mr. Haney impression. Yeah, just weird. <laughs> yeah, 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 just weird sort of uh, <laughs> just just uh, outside the box, like character actors. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. That I was obsessed with, like like kind of in a in a Josh and Drew Friedman yeah, yeah, kind right, of a way, right, right? Like me, you know, and Bob too, but me especially, we're, we're like obsessed with. With character actors, like I love those guys. That's who I wanted to be. I don't want to be James Franciscus. You yeah, know what yeah. I mean. I, first of all, James I can't be Fran- James Franciscus. Look at me. I'm not going to be the good looking, leading the, guy. That's the weirdest reference in the world. <laughs> well, I was thinking of somebody who was big back then. Yeah. He's starring in the second Planet of the Apes movie. He's going to be a huge star. <laughs> the world blows up at the end. But uh, uh, but like the second, like Ned Beatty's of the world, like the, that, or, or even the older weirder. ones. Yeah, like I would look at Mr. Whipple squeezing the Charmin and go, "Hey, that's a pretty goddamn good career." <laughs> He's been squeezing the Charmin for 50 years. That, that's the thing. I want to, you know, Franklin Pangborn, you know, and those Who's old. That? Maybe I can be the guy who plays the fussy hotel clerk for 80 years, you know? <laughs> I don't see your name in the register here, sir, you know? It's like, yeah. and you get paid and you go home and yeah. you have a functional life. Like, you know, another story that, that, you know, Bob and I have talked about is that I, rem, you know, we, we, I remember a conversation where we were just hanging out in our small town, yeah. small, you know, and it thought like a small town. And just going, you know, if you could have anybody's career in show business, whose would you take? If you could just right now just appropriate yeah. someone's career. We yeah. were 16, 17 years old. And Bob said, John Belushi, mm-hmm. who is not dead yet. And I said, Mel Blank. Really? And so you uh, knew? Yeah. Now, ironically, Bob, I, you know, I, I haven't done as well as Mel Blank, and Bob has done way better than John Belushi, <laughs> just by virtue of still being yeah, still uh, uh, yeah. vertical. But, yeah, but I mean, come on, you've uh, you've done as well as Mel Blank. Well, you know, the thing that I liked about his career, even as as a SpongeBob, is like, you know, I mean, Bugs Bunny, SpongeBob. I mean, there's you know, going to be a generation like, I mean, animation lives forever in eternity because you can always watch those things. But I mean, SpongeBob is pretty fucking important, and the characters don't age, right? Of course, that's most importantly. Yeah, it's, you know, radio uh, and animation. Yeah, speaking of Beaver, you know, there's those weird like sixth season Leave It to Beavers, where he's yeah. like 15 years old and yeah. still wearing the ba- backwards baseball cap. <laughs> you know, yeah. Gee, Wally, his voice sounds all weird. <laughs> it's like, yeah. So, but cartoons aren't like that. Bart yeah. Simpson's is always going to be Timeless. 10 years old, and right. and SpongeBob is always going to be whatever age. Oh, you age picked he the is. right racket, Kenny. You know, I sort of. <laughs> 
part of it is just personality what you're you're drawn to mm-hmm. you know like i think you know but you tried the, i mean you did stand up i and did you, and you had some gigs didn't you hosted something i remember flying out here and doing it uh and you, didn't you host a a, a regular stand-up showcase show at one point in time uh, i think i you know i hosted some of those uh, uh mtv type showcases right, 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 brick yeah. wall the occasional right. brick wall show sure. nothing regular but i would be right, one of the right, rotating right. yeah 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 uh mcs yeah i mean you know i don't know you know, Bobcat kicked my ass into it. You know, Bobcat is very uh, take charge and always had, even at an incredibly young age, had a really clear sense of self and self purpose. Yeah. And I was like a little more, oh, I don't know. You know, I was, I was like the safe, like I'm not sure guy. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. and I guess I'll go. Yeah. So I don't think, I don't know that I would have embarked on this career that I'm in that I happen to really like, and it's nice to have a job that you don't loathe. Yeah. Like most people yeah. do loathe their jobs. You you find out when you talk to people. But I don't know that I, I, I think I owe that to Bob, you yeah. know, and, and, and I, I don't think I would have done it without him. He totally would have done whatever he's done without, without me. Cause, I, cause, cause you know what? We, ended, we sort of enabled <laughs> each other and it was nice to have that one other kid who shared your obsessions sure. and had like the secret handshake you know and it was pre-internet obviously and all that so it was like you couldn't connect with a zillion like-minded sure people yeah you know at the drop at the touch of a button not then you had to find the one weird kid you had to find the one (laughs) weird kid it's like okay i got bobcat then there's another kid who collects big joe turner 78s you know in my high school i'll I'll bond with that kid and uh there's i'm set and those are still the guys in the world that i'm closest to really yeah the the big joe turner guy yeah the record collector guy yeah you know those guys change your life don't they like you meet that one dude like there's this portal into music and and you like you right away you walk into my house like oh my god there's that i turned me and you told me something i didn't fucking know like this guy like because there's that moment where you meet bobcat but then there must have been the moment where yeah i mean you didn't know who fucking joe turner was so like these guys these wizards these record collectors who somehow had this information from their father and older brother right there's usually the 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 afternoon where you go to their house and you're like, where am I? Yeah, and like, you're just, for me, a lot of the gateway to that stuff was punk rock and like, you know, the Ramones who would cover old garage rock. Or right, like right. Some, and then you'd find the original or, or you know, some rockabilly revival band would right. cover a song and then you go, you'd find out who did the original and then you'd try to track it down. Track it down. It was, yeah. it was fun. It was like spelunking. It was like, uh, yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, like And then like, like if you really get dig. into it, you're like, well, what made rockabilly? Exactly, and then all of a sudden you're in Appalachian, you know, dance music right. and 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 uh, and uh, gospel. Ne- next thing, next thing you know, you're like uh, hanging out with some guy beating on a log. Yeah, yeah. going. This is where it all. Ha- this is where it all started. <laughs> the source. <laughs> I met the source. <laughs> doom, doom, doom. <laughs> <laughs> and that's where rock and roll began. Yeah, man, it's the greatest. Did you and you were played too, didn't you? Or were you? I, I sang in bands, as did Bobcat. You know, so uh, you know, for a while we were in a band together, like like you know, teenage, underage, like playing gigs, yeah. you know, like opening for other- And what were you playing? Bands. What were you covering? Uh, we would cover, you know, we would do Ramones covers and Who covers and, you know, sometimes old, you know, old 50s songs and stuff like that, punk them up. But uh, one image I have of Bob is him with his hair, like in these buckwheat little rubber bands, like all kinds of little rubber bands. And he was wearing like cutoff shorts that said, here come to judge on them. And, and, uh, and he had a cheese curl, like a Cheeto, up each nostril just like playing his bass like because we you know that's one thing we liked about that music was that it made rock and roll kind of stupid again yeah yeah after all this like uh, genesis and yes and And journey and 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 reo speedwagon and all this stuff it was like 
where's the fun? Where, yeah. where is the fun in this? And I would wear bathing, like a flowered uh, a bathing cap, uh, rubber bathing cap on stage. And Did you have a good drummer? Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's did. all you need for punk, right? Uh, like, yeah, yeah. Just a guy who can go that fast. But I think that's interesting because I don't know how many people I've really spoke to as comics that because you can see with certainly with Bobby that you know the punk rock thing completely influenced his style that there was a, a sensibility there where you know it's just gonna fuck shit up absolutely and oh, Keith Moon was his idol you yeah. know when we were growing up and I mean you know that's his thing he he goes on Tonight Show he lights a couch on fire he yeah. you know uh, right. you know he go he, he goes to, to do a Q&A session about his latest movie uh, he'll talk about everything but the movie you but know? what about you how were you thinking about comedy at that point I mean I know you were in his shadow a little bit apparently and he was dragging you along but, absolutely but like when you when you started doing stand up because I remember your style I remember I had a moment weird moment because like having known you and I and, and we'll get to San Francisco later but I was in New York City I was at the improv the original improv before it closed and I was at the Westway Diner with uh, Dan Vitale and a couple other guys and Greg Proops was in town mm -hmm. and I'd never met him before mm -hmm. and he was in from San Francisco and we were sitting in this booth and I'm looking at Proops and he's looking at me I'm like you, you're doing Tom Kenny's glasses and hair <laughs> Like I, well, I was there was a period where Proops and I and uh, and Jake Johansson were frequently mistaken for each other just by virtue of being sort of dorky dudes. With, right, but with, I did, uh, but I kept stigmatism. I wouldn't let him go. I, I, <laughs> he was like, he was like, I know Tom. I'm like, yeah, obviously you know Tom. You know, like it was like I was in that mindset. It's like, why are you stealing right. his shit? Why are you hacking his look? You want to hear something weird? Yeah. Not even 24 hours ago, yesterday, I was in the supermarket and this old British woman, yeah, in line behind me said, "Excuse me." Is your name Greg? <laughs> it still happens. <laughs> and I said, no. <laughs> and, and I said, what Greg do you think I am? And she said, Greg Proust? Or, or, and, and I said, Greg Proops? And she goes, yes. And I go, do you know Greg Proops? And she goes, I think I worked with him um, on a television show. And she was British. So I yeah. said, whose line is it anyway? Yeah. And she said, no, it was, it was on Fox. It was called The Edge. And I said, that was me. <laughs> that was me. Oh, and Jennifer Aniston was on the show. Yeah, I go, yeah that was me. And she goes, oh, I think well, I worked with him. Like she had totally conflated us. Right. And then she refused. was kind of half right and half wrong. But she refused to give in. Like, no, it wasn't. <laughs> no, no. She was, she was just like, oh, the years, you know, yeah, 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 yeah. you know that was a lot of uh, hot toddies, a lot of yeah. hot toddies since then. What was that show? The Edge? Yeah. The Edge was a short-lived uh, Fox series back in the day when uh, Fox was only on the air like three nights a week. Right. <laughs> and uh, uh, it was the same season that the Ben Stiller show was on. Right. And it was a show starring Julie Brown. Oh, uh, right. Produced and created by David Merkin after right. who, uh, uh, Get a Life. Right. It was, the, a, the cast, it was an ensemble cast, uh, uh, Julie Brown. Sketch, though? Was it, it was a sketch yeah, show. right, right. I Wayne Knight. Remember. Uh, right. Newman, right? Uh, Jennifer Aniston, uh, just off of uh, Leprechaun Two, yeah, and not quite at Friends yet. Yeah, uh, myself, uh, a very talented Second City uh, uh, female named Jill Talley, who I wound up, I met on that show, and wound up married to. And uh, I remember that was that period. James where like, Stevens the third. Everybody has to have a sketch show. Like there, there's always this. What the fuck is that? Like every <laughs> every year they're they're throwing money at sketch shows and none of them ever make it on the air for any any amount of time. But you still always hear about it. it's like well, it's a sketch show. It's like when is one every year? There's like sketch shows in development and none of them fucking surface. Right. What what is it about sketch shows that is so appealing that they think they need to get it right? They're, I don't know whether they just they're they're just looking for that perfect wave. And, uh, you know, I think it works, you know, like primetime animation, I think it works just often enough to keep the hook in right. these people's mouth, you know? 
But okay, so now you're in a punk band with with Bobby, and you're fucking, you know, pushing the envelope. You're you're having a good time. You're rocking out. Did you? Did you also t- working at a supermarket? Uh, you know, so it was total like Kevin Smith uh, clerks. Well, existence, but, that's yeah. like, but that's just small town shit, right? That, Absolutely. You know, yeah. So at the same time, you're doing the punk rock, but you're doing comedy at the same time. Yes. Okay. And so, and Goldthwait and I going up in between doing kind of a sm- punk Smothers Brothers musical duo called the Squished Worms in between um, punk songs? local punk bands. <clears throat> Excuse me. Oh, oh, oh. There, there's a there's a band. I know. I'm a voiceover guy that works in the most that lives in the most polluted city in America. Do you need water? It's stupid. Or I don't have any. No. It's, what do you got in there? <laughs> I've got uh, this daddy's special medicine, as okay. I like to call I, it. I, little I, Bloody Mary. And oh, no, good. No, it's it's the same cappuccino that I brought you. Yeah, it's very good. Uh, yeah, I have you. water in the house if you need it. All right, so now you know you know what Bobby's doing, but like when you started doing comedy, I mean, how that evolved because you were like I I'm like uh, some sort of fragmented historian of 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 stand up because I've been in all these different cities, and to me, like there 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 was this there's a line I think there's there's something that starts I can't quite trace where it starts, but now that I'm talking to you, like there's a there's this Steve Pearl type of rhythm that infected you know warren thomas and infected greg proops and infected robin williams but it seems to mm-hmm. me that you were sort of doing that you know on your own that kind of like not not necessarily full riffage but that pace there's a manic pace i'm a fast talk- like i mean you can you can yeah. hear it right here but do you know what i mean <laughs> yeah no i was a motor mouth guy for, for you know kind Just of associative pop culture yeah and, you know when i moved you know and then i moved to boston and like I said, Bob totally enabled that. I've got an apartment. I've got a roommate who's a good guy. I'm going to San Francisco. You can scooch right in there. I've got a bunch of phone numbers. Crimmins is here now. He loves you. you and know, then we were, get out of we town. Were, get get we, out of Hooterville. Get out of Hooter. Get, then, you know, get out of Smallville and come to Metropolis. And there, there we were in that basement in Alston. Yeah, I, I lived right across the street from Played Against Sam's in this uh, apartment house with uh, Dan Spencer. Yeah, Dan who Spencer works for, who, who, for Robin. Who works for Robin. And yeah, and he was just in Bobby's movie, as yeah. were you. <laughs> yes, I, I got, yes, I got gunned down. I don't know if it was cathartic for Bob to have his best friend and his wife blown away in the first five minutes of the movie. But, <laughs> uh, we die real good. Yeah, yeah, you were funny. But, but uh, uh, th- that, uh, yeah. And I, do I remember you properly, like, you know, be, you, before you did the full-on rockabilly, that you had almost like a, a mullety thing going and occasionally wore a well, headband? Well, I, I guess you wore I was, a headband? I didn't. I never wore a headband. Are you sure? I never wore the All Richard right. Simmons uh, okay. headband. All right. All right, all right. It's sweating to the oldies. No, yeah. I was, uh, no, but I, I, I guess I did hedge my bets. Yeah, yeah. it was it was kind of like uh, half rockabilly and half kind of rat tail Paul Revere <laughs> yeah, yeah, and the Raiders right, yeah, uh, right. thing down the yeah, back. Yeah, I remember. For which I would like to apologize to everyone who saw me during the 1980s with but that hair. I think I'm the only one who remembers. <laughs> I think, well, but, thanks for outing me. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, buddy. So that, the move to San Francisco, like I remember when Bobby left, but there was this weird migration from Boston because Dana went, mm-hmm. Paula Poundstone went, yep. uh, you know, uh, uh, Bobby went, uh, Meanie went, yep. and then you went. So there was this like invasion of San Francisco. Yeah. And I mean, for me, it was just like I came out, you know, uh, I, I formed uh, with Dan Spencer, the yeah. aforementioned, and Paul Kozlowski, who runs the fake right? gallery here in, in yeah, Los yeah, Angeles yeah. now. We uh, we had a three-person uh, trio like well those are well, the best kind of trios again? don't you think yeah I think the best trios are the, if, if, you, if you're gonna do a trio make get it, three people it's yeah, the best yeah don't uh, yeah don't want to so, confuse people <laughs> so, uh, what was it called again though? it I was called of... Uncle Stinky's Dipsy Doodle Review yeah and uh, you and know, that was great so even then I was trying to get away from stand up a little bit I think or kind of that was in San Francisco though things. that was in Boston okay and then we were there and Bobcat said hey come on out I'm you know I'm kind of blowing up out here you guys can open for me I'm doing some shows and I came out to San Francisco and just instantly said, this is it. This is it for me. I like the, you know, it just felt 
better, which you're, is you're probably not, why you moved there. You're, you're not fighting drunk Irish people every night. Yeah. yeah, Boston was a bit of a disappointment for me because being, you know, hard kind city. of a small town person, I was like, man, I can't wait. I'm moving to Boston where there's like a revival cinema and a used yeah. bookstore on every corner and the yeah. people are smart and you yeah. can do these esoteric references and everybody yeah. will, will love it. And then you go there and, you know, there's a pretty high uh, jarhead uh, oh, yeah. quotient. No, uh, you're, you're talking about there. two blocks of that, of what you just described. <laughs> you know, it's like two blocks of what you just described, which is, you know, Cambridge. And then the surrounding area is just, you know, the, the a very difficult, sweaty, drunk, towny element. Which, you know, I just had like this dumb, naive, like, uh, like preconception of somebody who'd never really been anywhere. But, uh, in fact, I remember like one of the great, you know, crushing moments of my life was when I had only been there a couple of days and I was yeah. just checking out the comedy clubs yeah. and figuring out the lay of the land. And I heard two guys arguing heatedly, yeah. comedians, yeah. over a piece of material. Yeah. The piece of material that they were arguing over was, hey, that thing that you just did where you said, doesn't E.T. look like a piece of shit? That's mine, man. <laughs> I did that. I, you saw me do that last night. <laughs> Well, I know, but I added the thing. I I know, but when I said ET go home and I flush and I flush, that was mine. That was mine. So you know, and they were having this heated argument over the like, doesn't ET look like a piece of shit? Is it me or does ET look like a piece of shit? You know, and it was just, I I was just not what I was expecting. You know, what I mean? boy George, do you really want to hurt me? Yeah, I want to punch your face in, you faggot. I right? remember that guy. Who's with me? I know that comic. There were a bunch of guys doing that bit. John Toomey. Oh, is that right? That I remember that. Dude. Hi, John. If you're out there. <laughs> Well, it was a real, you know, there was a lot of great stuff in Boston, too. I mean, there were people that were kind of fighting that Jughead, Lenny Clash. Yeah, there was a few, but they left. They they literally, yeah. like, uh, I think that Boston, not to judge it, I just went back there, and there's obviously, you know, we came up with some great comics, but of that era, in that generation, a lot of the people that had a, a more difficult time or wanted to do a different type of comedy yeah. just fucking left. But there was a lot of great stuff. And even, you know, a lot of, there were, you know, real working class guys yeah. oh, like yeah. Lenny Clark yeah. Tony and v. Steve Sweeney and Tony V that were, you Leary. know, a zillion cuts above yeah. Don Gavin. The, the, what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, they, yeah. they were great. Oh, and, yeah. and, and that, you know, they no, were really yeah, being definitely. who they were. Yeah. I always felt like there was something wrong with me. It's not like, oh, I'm so much better than this or, or I need, I need a place where I can spread my wings and be free with my creativity. I always felt like, God, I don't think I'm getting this. You know what I mean? I don't think I No, I, that's the feeling is that like, you know, like it, it does, there's no fault on anybody, on anybody in that, like, you know, it's a, it's a regional scene in a lot of ways. And there is a point of view that, that the, the area has. And if you can't, you know, kind of, you know, bend yours into theirs, you know, it's not going to, you know, you're not going to be happy. And when I went to San Fran, that was different. It's, you know, it's just, Oh yeah, a feel. Like, it just felt like a better fit. Well, yeah, know, because like they, they they encourage self indulgence. Yeah, you know, San Francisco. <laughs> yes, exactly. You, you know what I mean? It's like, oh sure, go ahead and talk about yourself for for an hour and just like you know improvise on bullshit, and, and we'll be very patient with you. Yeah, I know they were like total enablers. You oh, know? amazing, amazing. Like <laughs> I don't, you know, I was in San Francisco for two years, and I don't think I would have evolved as a comic hadn't I been there. Because you know, when you spend time in New York, you're like, I gotta, yeah, I gotta keep low and tight, and I gotta slug, and it's and then you get to combative. San Francisco, and you can sort of like you know think out loud on stage and people are like very supportive and you're like where am i they're kind of following the process you know what yeah. i mean like it's it's almost like they like seeing the inside of your notebook yeah and, and, so to speak you right. know what i mean like watching you connect the dots on the way to something that will become 
a more polished piece of material sure. in your act later. But they sort of dig like being there at ground zero of when I was there that night that he wrote that. Yeah, bigger. yeah. You know, whereas that's a, that's so Boston, great. New York, it was just like, yeah, do the show job. Show me the money. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, just yeah, show dude. me the shit. I don't get it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Try Lame. again. Next. Yeah, yeah. Hey, when's the show start? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, what do you think that, that is about San Francisco? Because I've always associated it with this, like, kind of this weird oddball legacy that's always had, that it's always been a place where whack jobs, you know, can go. Like, oddballs. Come Absolutely. on down. Like 200 yeah. years ago. Yeah, whatever you're yeah. into. You know, find gold. If you don't find gold, <laughs> just talk on a street corner. Yeah. Exactly. Emperor Norton and all that, you yeah, know, yeah, crazy, yeah. Uh, crazy historical yeah. figures. Yeah. And, and my home, uh, you know, I, I went to the Holy City Zoo and, and enjoyed that scene. And, you know, again, just dropping names. I mean, if, if people that were around back then, you know, I mean, Bob Rubin, Stephen Pearl blew my mind, another music guy, you know. And I, I interviewed him, you know. I, I went and found him and he's back, you know, he's sort of like I had him on a show and, you know, he's uh, he's he's back among the, uh, the, the sane and he's not angry and he's back doing his thing. And he's like, it's amazing to sit with him still because he's got that, you know, almost uh, savant kind of uh, ability. And Absolutely. And a lot of people, you know, do, you know, I know, you know, we know a lot of people who make a living with their art or creativity, right? Sure. Writers, sure. Are, uh, sure. artists, uh, sure. uh, voiceover people, comedians, yeah. uh, you know, writers. And there is a certain savantish Sometimes, tinge yeah. to all of them. And I have that too. And I, and you do too, right? I, I think, I don't know, like I'm dating a woman who works with autistic kids and, and, and there's a, like, it's a real question about like, you know, how many, how many of us are on the spectrum? You know, where does that spectrum go? You know, uh, how many of us in terms of people we know? In terms of, like yeah. 99.9%, <laughs> right? Uh, absolutely. Cause uh, you know, absolutely. Yeah. And it's funny, like, uh, uh, you know, this is just, this is really free form, right? Like we can just jump around. Yeah, of course. I don't need to like do no, like a do timeline. Anything. No. That's what Bob told me. No, what? Because I was so I, I was so nervous. And Bob said, "Marin will do the show <laughs> that that it's is meant to be. If it's you know what I mean. It's not like he's trying to fit you into a type of show that he does. He will just do the show. Well, I'll tell that, you honestly, that, that makes sense to do, and you, and he'll he'll well, my my with he'll with, lead and you dance with him. Sure, I mean my the only thing that with timelines is that for a guy like you who who I knew as a stand up and who I don't know that a lot of people know as a stand up and who like you know actually paid some serious dues as a stand up, I would like them to get credit for being a stand up. Well, thank you. Well, I did, I did, I, you know, I made my living as a stand up 100% of my living uh you know would know you know day job free yeah from 84 to 92 sure. so that was you know that was my living i made a living as a stand-up comedian and that is something that i'm really uh, proud of yeah you i know, mean I, you, were, I, you were the real deal but now know, let's get back to autism oh yeah sorry <laughs> and now back to autism thank you i uh hear so much from from parents of autistic kids and caretakers of autistic kids and this happens so often and comes up so often that somebody should write a term paper on it that SpongeBob in particular is something that speaks to them. It's the thing that they laugh at, the thing they obsess at, the thing they, they talk about and know every line of oh, every so they, episode. Oh, so they, they catalog it. And I, I don't know Jenny McCarthy at all, but, yeah. but uh, somebody sent me an article where she talks about her autistic kid and the thing that broke through to him where she knew that there was something behind the wall was when he was sitting watching SpongeBob and he started laughing. That's, a, a, a that's got to feel good. It's kind of powerful. It's yeah, kind of yeah. like a Sullivan's Travels yeah. moment, you know. You're just like you're just like, <laughs> yeah. wow, it's cool to be a part of that, you oh, know. Oh, not yeah. to be cornball or whatever, but but it's like that. And and I don't know what there is in that show that talks to kids that are sure know, to quote you yeah. on, on the spectrum. Yeah, I don't know, but more than other cartoons, that one. 
maybe because SpongeBob as a character is a little autistic, you know, obsessed yeah. with his job, very hardworking, uh, you know, gets really, really deep into something. But that, I mean, that's got to feel gratifying. I mean, because this is, uh, you know, SpongeBob was birthed out of your brain, right? Well, not my brain. No, I, I'm not the creator of SpongeBob. You were there at the beginning, though. No? I was there at the pitch stage. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, cast before the pitch. Yeah, and um, yeah, I mean, just to tie it or attempt to tie it back into the the stand up timeline. That's a good noise to have, by the way, on the in the just, background. Just drilling. Yeah. <laughs> It's <laughs> just okay. a guy with a jackhammer, literally a jackhammer. Hey, but outside. We're, we're in the country here. My fucking neighbor. Hold on a minute. Oh boy, this is gonna be ugly. You stay on the mic. This is gonna be a hate crime. I was there the night that Mark got shot by his neighbor. Stand your ground. Hey, Stand Dennis. your ground, law. Hey Dennis. Oh, it's Dennis. Can you give me fifteen minutes? Thanks, buddy. Well, Dennis seems like a nice neighbor. Like, like you handled that very nicely and fr- friendly. <laughs> like, if you ever needed to borrow that jackhammer, he'd probably give it to you, no problem. Uh, he, he would probably come over and do it for me. He, <laughs> he, this is his retirement project, is that house over there. Okay, so well, you- only got 15 minutes left? No, I just, uh, I, no he said- That's he, just, you're just longer. throwing him a bone. Yeah, 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 I was throwing him a bone. But, uh, but okay, so you, yeah, I was So autonomous. when Uncle Stinky's broke up, yeah. yeah. Good, uh, okay, I get where we were now. Uh, you know, when Uncle Stinky's broke up, it was just like stand-up was kind of like- just logistically easier for me at that point. Yeah. You know, there's three guys, you got to rehearse. Yeah. You know, some guys are more into it than others. You know, get it's like being in a band, like the, sure. getting people with the same level yeah. of commitment all at the same time yeah, I, is a, hard. Just you describing that makes me anxious and overwhelmed. Okay. Like, you know, fighting for bits and, you know. Thinking like... about doing stand-up makes me anxious and overwhelmed. <laughs> I'm serious. So so I did it, you know, and I was good enough yeah. at it. And there was, you know, I was lucky enough to be yeah. right place, right time. And there's a boom going on and they need, you know, I, I always say, you know, uh, you know, I don't know if I was... But it was really a harder good, act but... to book, you know, a team. I mean, like that was always like in my mind, the 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 groups at that time were you couldn't all go out and do. It was a big deal no. to go out and do a night. It was. It was. So it wasn't really practical in terms of like, you know, making so it's just like you just money. show up. It's like being a one man band. And I, yeah. And I enjoyed it. I learned how to do it. I mean, granted, there was during that 80s comedy boom. This is also something that, uh, you know, the, the current crop would probably find hard to un, to believe yeah or, or identify with anyway is that just by not sucking yeah you, you can make a living wage as a stand-up comedian <laughs> sure. all you have to do is not absolutely blow yeah because there were three spots or yeah. two at least you yeah. know like you know I, that's how it happened it's like, and there was so many rooms right? right all these outlying rooms there was right. fish restaurants and discos and bowling alleys yeah. that, that were doing comedy night and comedy clubs and places that were trying to be comedy clubs and and you know sure. oh, uh, supermarkets man. that yeah. were out of business yeah. that were trying to that had failed as a rock club and we're now trying franks and franklin up. banditos in fall river like it was a Mexican restaurant, and the and you had to deal with these restaurant owners who was mm-hmm. like, you know, all of a sudden you're you're in their place saying fuck, <laughs> and they're in control of your life, yeah. in control of your destiny. You're like, oh my god, yeah. uh, and they would, yeah. they, and they were not shy about telling you uh, opinions about your act. You know, I think uh, you know you were doing a little too much of uh, this yeah, kind yeah, of, yeah, yeah. and you're going. Wait a minute! Like, yeah, like the, how, how much? Uh, this, you know, yeah, these free enchiladas aren't worth your, yeah, your exactly. criticism. Uh, like, like, how how many uh, cans of Rosarita <laughs> refried beans to be ordering is what you were concentrating yeah. on an hour ago, and now yeah. you're now you're, suddenly you're in our you're yeah. you're Colonel Tom you're Parker. Right, but you you're, know, give yeah. me a freaking break! <laughs> yeah, give me fifty percent. <laughs> <laughs> but but there was that thing like how much time you got? Twenty minutes. All right, you're opening, and that was it. And all, you're right. If and you all were, you had to do was not suck. Right. And if you were pretty good. 
even better. And, you know, I did okay as that. You know, I did Conan. I did Letterman. I did, you know, yeah. all, all them things and, and work. But there was kind of a growing, you know, really the direct opposite of, of your feeling where I just felt like I like being a cog in a machine. Yeah. I like being, a, I don't know what this says about me, but I like being like, a person who just has his own little bailiwick and you work on that and yeah. you get really good at it. Yeah. You know, like a woodworking cra- sure. craftsman-y thing. Yeah. And, you know, to me that was really appealing. You know, I didn't really have that drive. Basically, I'm a pussy. I, I didn't want to fight all those fights and, you know, like... I don't know if it's being a pussy, though, well, because... you're pitching like- shows right now. Right. Well, no, I, I mean, I'm, I've got a deal to do a show on IFC and, you know, and I, after I did radio, you know, I really sort of the joy of, of working with other people, especially if they're good and you're clicking. I mean, it's great. It feels Are we great. Clicking? Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yes. But uh, but like, I don't think it's being a pussy. See, the one thing that I didn't really realize was, you know, because my stand up, I was always so immediate. I just like I was living in the present. I just wanted. Yeah. You know, I never thought about a career. I was just sort of like, I'm just me a stand up comic and everything will follow. But there were guys that at some point said, like, there's a lot of other things you can do in show business you know and then there's yeah. a lot of other things i can do with my talent and i almost envy those guys because if, if i i never even thought about writing for somebody else it's like what am i going to do that for you know what do i what do i got to be well, that? who else i'd have to find the person that has my exact comedic voice <laughs> like you know what i mean what are the odds of finding that soulmate you yeah know, like that right. you know i'm, I'm gonna be somebody's joe ansis you yeah, know yeah. give me a give me a break so you know i need a lenny <laughs> i'm looking for a lenny <laughs> yeah. ansis seeks a lenny <laughs> yeah. i'm are you comedy curious <laughs> but i uh you know for me that was kind of a, a slowly dawning thing where i was like wow i made a living at it and i always felt but did you Again, see that, that there was something a dead wrong end, though? Me. No, but did you see that, like, like at some point, like, I didn't see it until too late on some level, that, like, holy shit, there's only 10 guys at any time that really make money doing this, and if they're making money, they can't have a family life, they can't have friends, you gotta live in hotels, you gotta say things like, hey, this is a pretty good breakfast buffet, and, you know, every <laughs> fucking week. Like, you know, the life of a comic is is not to be envied necessarily. No, no, it's it takes a special breed of gypsy. person yeah it's, it's a, a gypsy mentality and i'm not saying it's a a bad life or a dumb decision no for no but it's, to just, make. it's 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 pretty but it, it's it comes all, at a cost that's right as does huge fame right and uh that's why i avoid that at all costs. <laughs> <by the way. laughs> well you know this this all gets into like so many wormholes of conversation that we could we could oh because we well, you spend were, hours. well your, your your best friend you know went through that and and like you know, at and, a really and, young age, at a really young age, and I've talked to him about it, and that you know that there were decisions made and things happened that were out of his control. That you know that the burden of 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 being at the level he was at and then taking that that, that must have been a fucking life lesson on some level. It was, it was. I, I, I you know, having that uh, ringside seat and object lesson, and also you must have been there to support him. You know, yeah, your, yeah, of your best friend taking the fame ride yeah you know what i mean it's yeah. like you strap in and here we mm-hmm. go and then not so up 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 and then you know and bob's you know had a great uh had a great uh path by virtue of being super creative guy and a fighter right you know yeah absolutely uh, you know son of a sheet metal worker all that stuff that he's managed to to reinvent himself as a whole different thing but also the really hard right and the beauty of him is is that like you know 
there's a weird juncture in people's lives who who go through it doesn't have to be fame but when you are 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 humbled one way or the other you know either you're going to accept that and 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 it's going to make you grow as a person mm-hmm. or you're going to be the uh, fuck everything guy like mm-hmm. there's that real crossroads where you've had your ass handed to you and either you're going to be like you know bitter dude who everyone's sort of like, yeah, he's not the same anymore. Or you're going to be like, wow, I just grew as a person. And now, you know, I found, because he's a very. You know, or you're very, on the oldies circuit. Sure. But he's like, he's got this humility to him and, and this sort of focused creativity now. What what would your dad do? My dad was an accountant for Carrier uh, Air Conditioning Company. Oh, really? <laughs> not yeah. a sheet metal worker. No, no. But like um, a, sort of a. But like uh, I said, our families all hung out. Like Bob was always at our house. You know, my kids just to get out of his house. Is, is yeah. He, yeah is, is, <laughs> how long is he going to stay? You know. And then Bob, it was funny because my and house, your mom was like, "Where are my clothes?" Why we had that? five kids, mm-hmm. uh, and and Bob had uh, let's see, uh, Bob had uh, one, two, three, four, uh, five as well. And uh, Catholics, Catholics. Yeah. And, you know, my house was a little different in that it was a little more um, there's a little more structure. Right. You know, <laughs> and I think he liked that. <laughs> he liked that, you yeah. know. And and but, you know, Bob's house, I remember like going over there after school one day and and he goes, hey, you want uh, you want something to eat? Like uh, what? Like, I don't know, like a hostess cupcakes or Twinkie or something <laughs> like that. I go, yeah, sure. He goes. It's uh, it's in the dishwasher. <laughs> what? It's in the dishwasher. <laughs> open the dishwasher. And I opened the dishwasher yeah. and the family dishwasher had been out of service for a long time and right. they just used it for a food pantry? storage. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so so I pulled it out. It was like their dishwasher was full of food. It was like a cupboard. <laughs> And there, you know, the cats walking around. There's all kinds of cats walking around on the tables and stuff like that. You'd eat dinner over there, and his dad would just like be, you know, yeah. you know, yeah, throwing right. the cats off the table, right? And, and so uh, that was you were the kid that went home to your house and like out of nowhere said to your parents, "I really love you guys." Yeah. <laughs> well, no, in a way, you're jealous. You're like, oh, wow, that's, right? I, I kind of like that, like kind of like right beatniky. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. they weren't beatniks, you know. They were, it, there wasn't like a hipsterness yeah, yeah. about it. It's just, but yeah. And, and I remember you'd go over there and eat dinner. My family was always very everybody sits table you eat yeah and you know bob's family would do that but his dad would have like game shows on in the other room (laughs) that he was kind of half listening to but nobody else was so you would be eating and he would just bark out the name or bark out the answer to a question (laughs) that only he was paying had heard yeah yeah Yeah. alpine lace Alpine lace. <laughs> what? Does your dad have Tourette's? No, he's he's, he's it's the Playing game. Playing a shows. game, yeah, yeah. So you know, it's it's pretty funny. I mean, the the, the crucible yeah. that you're forged, and I'm sure you got. Yeah, well, no, it's, I, I think too, it's but... interesting that, like, you know, he comes from this chaos and you come from this organized sort of situation. My dad's an accountant. Right, and both of you have an envy of the other that, you know, like, oh, wow, man. Grass is always greener. Yeah, it's like, that's freedom land over there. The Twinkies are always creamier yeah. on the other yeah, side of the sure. fence. But Bobby was like, I like sitting down at a table. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> your parents, yeah, your parents are kind of with it and stuff, you know. <laughs> His parents were great, too, but it but was he's funny. Like, yeah, but seeing that fame thing, so, you know, so you I saw up against, that. Yeah, and you were sort of... Uh, evolving into this sort of like how can i you know fit into show business where i just work and you know i can you know have a life absolutely and then and and i was able to you know i was able to look at him and not not necessarily say uh i don't want that as much as i don't think i have the intestinal fortitude to take that ride but you You know i vomit on roller coasters but you knew you had talent though see that's the other thing is that you don't seem to suffer where i think that bobby probably had it more than you and i probably have it more than you but there are people that there's there's a a, uh 
a line you cross where you're like, well, I have this talent and I'd like to own it somehow and, and apply it to something that, that I can do and, and, and earn a, you know, a, a living doing that. There has to be a something that uses this skill set right. that I have, that I've and, amassed through a misspent youth of like playing in bands, doing stand-up, yeah. liking sketch comedy, right. writing sketch comedy, uh, loving cartoons, loving animation, worshiping Mel Blanc. You know, where's the nexus of where all that comes together? And I, I did start to think like that as I was doing more stand-up and feeling that there was something wrong with me that I didn't love stand-up as much as I could. I felt almost churlish. You know, I'd go, because the guys that I knew that made a living as stand-up, you have to love the art form. Right. You know what I mean? Stephen sure. Wright. And right. People like that. Uh, Sweet guy. Robin. Yeah. They, they loved doing stand-up and they worked really hard on it. I was happy when a gig got canceled. <laughs> I, I would. And, I, and, I'm, and then I would go, what's wrong with me? This is, I shouldn't be feeling like this. Yeah. And, and I was doing well enough that, you know, your agency's going, your agents are going, you know, we're going to hook you up with some writers. It's time yeah. to think up a sitcom for you. That's the next step. And I'm yeah. going, I hate sitcoms. Yeah. I, I don't even like sitcoms. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like the last sitcom I liked was like, you know, Green Acres or the Adams Family, like, like that are just so stupid and retarded. That's what I liked about them. I, yeah. And then they're like, well, what do you like to do? You like comic books? You, you know, this is before the whole big nerd yeah. uh, thing where nerds are cool. I like you old style nerds. That was of no interest to me, but they would go, hey, you like, how about you run a comic book shop? You know what I mean? And, <laughs> and I remember sitting there in a pitch and I was, you just, I've heard other guests on your show talk yeah. about this, where you just think that the people in charge of you know better than you and know what you're doing and that there's something weird that you're not feeling it. Right. Like there's something wrong with me. Mm -hmm. Like you're sitting in church and everybody else is, yeah, is, yeah, is yeah. dancing around and you're just going, this seems like bullshit to me. <laughs> but, uh, you know, for yeah. me it was that. When they pitched me, you you would own a comic book shop, but it's all you know. It's also built on an Indian burial ground, like Poltergeist. So occasionally, the there's like the ghost of like the Indian like comes into your comic book shop, and you're all like, "What?" <laughs> and that's the pitch. Yeah, that was one of the many aspects of the pitch. And I was just going, "Oh yeah, that could work." <laughs> but not that even, sounds good. But not but even, I didn't think it could work. I was going, "This is fucking horrible." But not, but the weird thing is, like, not even the comic books coming to life. An Indian guy. <laughs> yeah, that that would seem to be the logical thing to go. You're built on Indian burial ground, and all of a sudden, Casper's in the yeah, room yeah, or whatever. Could, and you, they're Superman. No, it's just an Indian guy. That here. you could pitch, right? Like, do you ever think of ideas so terrible that you go, "That's so bad"? It's that, gotta be a show uh, that you could pitch it. Sure, you know, it's like. So, how did Mister Show fit into it? Well, uh, uh. uh you know, I knew David from from Boston stand up. My wife Jill, who was in Second City uh, with Bob Odenkirk and uh, and uh, you know Chris Farley and yeah. Timmy Meadows and all those guys. Uh, uh, you know, so I came at it from the cross side. She came at it from the Odenkirk side, and we both got hired on this show. And they they were working on uh, Ben Stiller at that right. time that we were doing The Edge too. So you know, we knew each other, and I started. You know, I I had one foot in kind of the uh, nascent uh, uh, burgeoning alternative. Sure. Scene that was just starting here in With LA. Dana and uh, yeah, Lapidus and Kathy we were kind of weird because you know Dana and I because we were, you know we were slick enough to make a living as comedians out in the heartland, you know, doing clubs. But and you stuff also like had that. The, you, you, but it was you, also a little outside the mainstream enough that you could you're kind of neither fish nor fowl. You but, know, but you and Dana are also like somewhere in that you're you're both you're efficient comics, but you're highly intelligent. And you know, there's that struggle of uh, you know realizing that like, well, you know, I'm 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 not presenting myself as snobbery or anything else but these people are missing a lot of this Why yeah they, you know that's a it's a it's kind of a shitty feeling i, just, I guess i just care about different things you know what i mean there yeah. there, there was that there's you know that was always kind of like the sinking feeling of a of a comedian too before you find your audience like yeah. now 
Mark Marin. You can that's find you. It, yeah. You can go out and there's everybody there is there to see Mark Marin. They're not at a comedy club to see a comic. I still get some of that though. I get about two thirds. I still like it's weird with me because you know after so long of being marginalized and not being able to really work clubs because I didn't draw. Now I do draw, and I'm not one of these people. I'm like I want to do theaters. I'm like no, I earned clubs. I will go to comedy clubs. Like, and people are like, what? And I'm like, no, I want, and, and sometimes a third of the house will be like regular people. I'm like, that's part of my job. They're part of my job. Yeah. And I'll say that on stage. I'm like, oh, we're going to bridge this gap. You people know me. Those people don't. But that this is my job. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm going to win them over. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to, you know, uh, you know, getting the approbation of these complete and total strangers yeah. is part of the con sure. of of stand-up that's the grift you know yeah, and, yeah. and and it's uh well some of us like to look at it as a as an art tom but well I'm it's sure an art too a grift is fine well, I, I i think grift <laughs> I, I think grift and con and art are all one and okay, the same good good as uh, jackson pollock uh, <laughs> could tell you so that's how mr show happened we got we got and cast and uh you know I, did I, that change the game for you at all i mean was that or is that just in a, terms of what well i mean did that bring you a uh because that, that that seems to be the first like because that was a cult hit and yeah. people loved it, and you you, know, you were part of this crew that was uh, sort of like redefining comedy in Hollywood at that time. I mean, yeah, I mean, I feel like yeah, I was definitely a, a passenger on that train driven by uh, by Bob and super Dave. driven others. You know, right? Uh, you know, again, the I, I guess the through line of this conversation is that but you uh, that. is that I, I'm I'm yeah. Fortunately for me, guys like Steve Hillenberg, that created SpongeBob, you know, uh, Bob Odenkirk, David Cross, you know, people who have employed me over the years. I guess they need a guy like me yeah. on their show. Yeah. So that's good. You know, you need a third baseman but on your team. But, but, so, you know, luckily I'm an okay third baseman. But but but, yeah, but you're not. I mean, in the sense that SpongeBob you're you're the star, you know, whether you like it or not. Yeah. But so was it was that nominally? The, was that the first What do you mean nominally? You're, you're SpongeBob. Uh, well, yeah, I mean I'm the, I'm the voice of this character. Yeah. But he's Yeah, the, I I, chan- I I feel like part of the gig that I do the, now. He's the star of the show. Yeah, so he's the titular. Can I say that he's sure. the titular uh, character? Yeah, and uh, part of uh, y- you know, I think the job that I do now, and the, and it's a lesson that I really learned from all those years of stand up that that stands me in good stead with the VO thing, is inhabiting that character. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you work on all the. I work on. You know, my IMDb is crazy when you look at it. You've um, done every voice. It's it's yeah. it's pretty nice. Somewhere right now, you're talking for a, an animated character. Yeah, yeah. Right now, you're talking on a television. Yes, usually on basic I'm, cable, unfortunately. So I got to keep out there hustling. But but every hour though, <laughs> every hour there's there somewhere in this world. I uh, make of those Simpson Network bucks. Yeah, t- yeah. T- Tom. Uh, Tom's voice is coming at your kid's face somewhere. Yes, right now. Some, I'm giving somewhere uh, uh, in an SUV. Kids are the, watching something, and the parents have a headache. Yeah, uh, yeah, because of me. But it's just so funny to think that, like, somewhere in this great country of ours, in the back of an SUV, some kids are being kept quiet by your soothing voice. Or there's parents up in the bedroom going at it because they know they've got 11 minutes. <laughs> Well, while their kid watches an episode of this cartoon or that car, hurry up, go, go. He loves it. Yeah. You was know? it, was it, but SpongeBob was the first one though, right? I mean, well, really? no, I had done a show called Rocco's Modern Life. Oh, that's that was right. was in the early 90s and Carlos Alas Rocky, right. who I knew from the Bay. You see, this is also Carlos was in weirdly here. connected. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I forgot about Rocco's. Yeah. That's and big. that was my first cartoon. Steve Hillenberg, uh, that created SpongeBob later, was artistic director on that show. And, uh, uh, creative director i can't remember what his title was but it wasn't his show and he was you know a couple of years later when it came time for him to pitch his own animated show he remembered me well and remember 
remembered a voice that I had done in a Rocco's Modern Life episode that was almost like a throwaway, like two line really? voice. Yeah, and he remembered it and said, what that's was it? this guy. Well, it was based on, and uh, Nickelodeon d- does not like it when I tell the story. So here's the story. It, it was, uh, I was in an audition and I was auditioning for uh, on-camera commercial stuff. Yeah. Did you ever do any of that? Very little. Horrible. Never really got the hang of that. No, yeah. it's the worst. Yeah, I don't. Uh, it's yeah. a, you. You think you have little control over your destiny and show business, like doing what we do. When you're like the commercial guy and you show up trying to look like, yeah, preppy dad or yeah, priest yeah. or, or trying a to chef, look normal. And you yeah. and you walk into a room and there's like you know eighty guys that sort of look vaguely <laughs> like you. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, it's it's really horrible, debilitating, and. I finally told my agent I can't do that anymore. But send me out for voiceovers. I think maybe I have an aptitude for that. I had never really done much of it. Right. And they said, "What makes you think you can do that?" And I go, "I, I just, I don't have proof. You know, just, yeah. I'll, but I will drive. Give it a try. I will drive anywhere. Yeah. I will do any voiceover audition for anything. I yeah. think like that's a pretty good path for me and a good basket to put yeah. my eggs in. And you know, that turned out to be to be uh, luckily for me true. But uh, there was at the same commercial on camera studio. They were auditioning. Uh, they were auditioning for a TV commercial that involved elves, Christmas elves, like a holiday commercial. Yeah. So it was all these little people. Yeah. Uh, uh, hanging around. Uh, a lot of them had their own elf costumes because yeah. that's what they do. Like if you're a, yeah, if you're a fat guy with a white beard, you go out for the Santa stuff. Sure. If you're a little Might person well with an the... elf with curly toed shoes, you go out for those auditions. Yeah. Stop yeah. renting. Buy the shoes. Exactly. Yeah. So there was but there was one guy at the audition, uh he was, you know, in a different part of the corridor. <laughs> yeah. And he was hanging with a couple of his buds. Yeah. And just the most bitter uh, ticked off a uh, uh, little person in an elf outfit you've ever seen. So, you know, this is, this is the only, you know, if it wasn't for the Christmas shit, I wouldn't fucking work. This is the only time of the year that I fucking work. It pisses me off. It's like, you know, I'm glad to have it, knock on wood, but motherfucker, you know what I'm saying? And I was just like, wow. And I told Steve Hillibur that story years, years Years go by, yeah. and he remembered that story. I totally even forgotten yeah. the story because yeah. it was something that happened to you on a day, and then you tell people that sure. you run into that day, it's and hilarious. then you kind of forget about it. Yeah. And uh, he said, "Remember that guy?" So, you know, that's that that's kind of where uh, SpongeBob came from, <laughs> sort of a like a munchkin, like a uh, without the negativity, an angry little person. Yeah, gave you the gift. That he turned did. your and life around. Someday I'm going to run into him, you know? Yeah. He's yeah. going to be standing outside my- uh, You're doing my shit. Yeah, he's standing outside my house like Mark David Chapman. Yeah. Hey, Kenny, yeah. I got a bone to pick yeah. with you. I'm your Joe Ansis. Yeah. <laughs> it's SpongeBob's Joe Ansis. <laughs> hey, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> Tragedy struck Tom Kenny in. <laughs> he went that way. He was in a really small car. <laughs> But it was, uh, it was uh, I have been reported. Have you been reported dead yet? No, I heard. I, I when I googled your name, it said Tom Kenny dead twice. Twice. Who's doing that? That's I don't that know. guy. Pranksters. Mm-hmm. I'd, you know, I'd, I'd look. I'd look for the angry little person. It's uh, exactly. He is the prime suspect. I never thought of that. Why you though? That's bizarre. I think I'm like because SpongeBob is ubiquitous enough, but the yeah. guy behind SpongeBob is obscure enough that it takes a while. F- you know the guy behind SpongeBob's voice. I mean, being me, is that it takes you a while to verify it. Like if you say George Clooney died, yeah, everyone knows every, you know it immediately. Right. But right, so you know, yours has got legs. Yeah, if you Figured. say like you know this Pete Best level showbiz guy yeah. died, it, it takes a while to uh, 
right. figure it out. I always out. thought that was interesting. Like, I always had this weird, uh, like, and I just remembered it because we were talking about it. Like, you know, I, I don't know if you knew Chris Collins well, you know, but. I, I knew him, you yeah. know, from, from that scene, yeah. But he was like, you know, he was kind of out there. Yeah. And, and you know, and he you know, he had his battles with uh, with substances and everything else. Yeah. And, and it always, like, struck me as incredible that, that you know, there, there was, at, at a time, there was all this, uh, you know, concern about, like, um, uh, satanic messages or whatever. But, like, I always wondered, I always found it fascinating that, how do you know who's doing the voice of that that character your kid loves? You know, because like when I picture <laughs> when I picture like you know crazy Chris Collins, you know, and, and he's coming out of this character that kids, I love that guy, and Chris is like, <laughs> so you're like, like just, I, I need to vet the voice actors that do my kids' favorite yeah, cartoons. Yeah, because he used to walk around in a black leather trench coat in New York, right. and sweaty and kind of like, what's going on with you? And like every time you saw Chris Collins, you're like, oh my god, it's the Prince of Darkness. Well, what's think happening? of all the nuts that we met you know like and I, I say that with total yeah affection because maybe i'm wrong you're in the comedy world a little more than me but it's so much more of a career path for people now instead of uh just something you can't help like an itch that needs right, to be right. scratched yeah yeah, and, yeah and you know you know maybe it's you're looking for therapy maybe you're looking well, that, for appreciation so maybe you're looking that, for girls you know whatever but whatever are, it is but, but that means there are fewer nuts you know that you know once comedy became like you know i can do that you know i can do seven minutes like there were guys like me and you know guys like uh you know from our generation who were like you know, i'm just i can't i gotta do this you know, like it wasn't like you know. What do I have a career? It was like I, I got no choice. Who the What's hell is my to, path? Right. Yeah. It's like it, it, this is what I do. And yeah. There's never, a slickness there. You join well, up. No, you but, join the Groundlings. You join up at UCB. Nah, you, you know, that, you do, that didn't exist. You go on at Largo. Yeah. Like you know, I mean, we grew up. Uh, yeah, it was Bob crazy. And I, Bob we, and I were in Syracuse. You know what I mean? Like we went into a disco with like two people in it because disco was over yeah and said it's tuesday night there's one guy in here shooting pool why don't you let us start a comedy sketch group <laughs> yeah, yeah all right you yeah. know we we're like 16 yeah. you know and it's like you know the, you were able one well, of the that, virtues that, of being oddly, able to grow up in a place outside of show business is that there's that diy uh, sure you know well, there's, a, like, thing. there's more of that now with comedy run sh comic run shows like there's a lot of sort of like right. occupying the uh, the coffee shop or the bookstore okay. or that i mean that still that's happens the equivalent of that right but but it's it, it happens because you know people are just making their own stage time there isn't like but you know it's it's hard for me to judge because this is one of those conversations where we could very easily be like back when we were yeah, kids yeah. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. but yeah there, it, there, it just seems like more of a yeah it's a career, career path sure. now whereas i don't Before know that's it was like, it was like a drop. yeah and you didn't yeah. really know why right, you right. were doing it but yeah. it just felt yeah that's, right that's absolutely it just true felt that's good a, yeah. and I, I don't know you're right we're in cranky old man territory right now but let me ask you something practical um when when you you know for my own information and and you know I do have a lot of uh, uh, people who are in the the biz who listen to this who are starting out and stuff when when you're approaching like voices like do you like what do you what do you run with do you see a picture of the character yeah yeah you you know you see a picture of the character it's it's all based on auditioning yeah you, know, you see a picture of the character they show it to you they tell you what they're thinking about you know there's a little sheet with the breakdown of the personality it's really like an on camera audition but I feel I feel like I felt like with voiceover, I, I cracked the code. Yeah. Like, I, I never learned how to audition effectively as an on-camera actor, I didn't think. I never had an audition where I went in there and they said, who is that man? Get, yeah. me, get me that guy with the glasses. Yeah. He blew the room apart. It was always people going, hey, yeah, hire Tom. He's funny. I know Tom. He's dependable. Yeah. He's, uh, you know, <laughs> whereas with the voiceover stuff, I felt like there was a, and I'm completely non-mechanic 
right. non-mechanical, like right. technically moronic. But I feel like I can deconstruct a stand or a voiceover audition the way that somebody can look under the hood of a car and know how to get the engine running or, yeah, yeah. or, or sure, take the back uh, off of a watch or something. Yeah, right. And I can't do that with machinery, but I can do it with, with these. And, you know, so, so... What does that entail, really? And a lot of it, well, it's just... Is it look, just intuition? It's intuition and, well, half intuition and half science, right? Brain, left brain, like making what's the your science? best guess. And also a lot of what's in your info system, like, you know obsessions with weird old character right. actors or some sure. weird voice you heard a guy right. do on a bus 15 right. years ago right that suddenly you go great i got i know the guy to, yeah. to plug into this yeah and so that's the science that's the science or yeah. or in my case melding uh because i'm a fairly bad impressionist like you know melding two unsuccessful impressions <laughs> into a voice that sounds original right and new right you know you go okay i'll take a little uh helen hayes and a little bit of uh, the wizard of oz uh you know from, from from that and that becomes like the mayor of townsville in the powerpuff girls yeah series ran for a long time yeah. Yeah. a little bit of mr whoopee from tennessee tuxedo That's steely funny. steely and, and uh and then there's going to be some 50 year old uh autistic guy who's going to be like he's just uh, doing, uh, he's, uh, yeah, uh, yeah he's doing all three like he knows all the three people that you're drawing from that's a little <laughs> helen hayes and i've from uh this movie and and also like we grew up you know one thing that's that's been really helpful to me is growing up in a time where there was only three channels in your hometown yeah and your local station had to show a lot of weird old yeah crap that that was cheap so green like, acres three stooges. Mon- you know three stooges uh little rascals uh, you know, little rascals weird 30s max fleischer popeye cartoons with crazy syncopated yeah, jazz yeah. and odd stuff in it you know cheapo uh, uh sleazy exploitation movies yeah. from the 50s and yeah. 60s and stuff that i don't think is really on young people's radar now because well they got tv uh, land and there's 500 channels sure exactly what you want to watch is on at that Right, any given yeah, moment, yeah, yeah, so you yeah. can watch the thing that's you're catered not locked right to you. in. Right, yeah, you're not locked into going. Wow, who is this? Yeah. Edward G. Robinson. Yeah. You know, who yeah. is this guy? Hey, sandwich. I saw him in a Bugs Bunny cartoon. Yeah, you e- know, eating your sandwich after school. Just and that's what you know, black and white on the local TV station. But so there's you're another absorbing option. all these old. Right. And Billy West and I uh, uh, talk a lot about this. You know, where just like all those old announcers and voices and. Yeah flavors uh you know you just kind of absorbed and so they you guys come in buddies? handy all the time yeah yeah oh he was my idol yeah when he was on wbcn like that how when did oh you i loved him? all that yeah 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 i listened to him on bcn and then i, I didn't get to know him till i was out here but no he's you know how's he doing he's doing great yeah you know and he works all the time you yeah know, he's, he's like a you know he's a session he's like a a grade a session musician so yeah yeah yeah. So he, yeah he works all the time all those guys maurice lamarche uh uh, uh you know rob paulson you know all those guys yeah uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, jim cummings you know there's people that are into voiceover and you hang out people. y'all hang out together it's pretty you know it's almost like a comedian thing but they're a little more uh quite a bit more functional i think right right you know they're not they have families and yeah you know. you have families you live in a house yeah, and you, yeah, and yeah. You, but but you still have this dumb weird thing that you do for a living so you you feel well, like you dodged a bullet every day because you're not in a dilbert 
cubicle doing insurance. Well, yeah, but, but there's stuff. also, but but also, you know, outside of that though, there must be the kind of like, you know, Hollywood is a company town. It's a, it's a, you know, it's an industry town, and and the industry has all these tiers of people that that work every day, and and like you know, like when you're saying talking about character actors, there are guys that you see, you know, show up in things where you're like, what the hell's that guy been doing? Right, and he could have been doing a million things. That there is a way that show business, you know, you have found a groove. It's where a groove. you can you can, but you're you're a working guy, you know. It you wouldn't know? be for everyone because if you if you really care about being famous, it's not. Yeah, for but you. this is the different. This is the working side of show business. Yes, it's it's the non glamorous, you know, side of being you know part of the the industry in a way. Yeah, it's more glamorous than bagging groceries, but it's not as glamorous. As as being Brad, but Pitt. But, it, but it's all right. But it's also it's interesting because <laughs> you got all these unions. You, you know, you got lighters. You got gaffers. You got you know, you got food trucks. But then you got character actors, and you got like you know, like studio guys. Like like I think a lot of people forget that about show business is that this is a they business do. that goes on every day. You know, shit is churned out. Things are being made, and there are people that work every day in it. You're a journeyman, yeah, like a journeyman yeah. carpenter. You yeah. know that you know, which is way more of how I look at myself and my job than being like an actor in the sense that Tom Cruise is an actor doing Mission Impossible 17 or whatever. Right. You know, I have way more in common with the guy who built yeah, that this, yeah. fake Parthenon or whatever on that yeah. on that show. Right. Uh, you know, so it's... But, yeah, but it's great. It's great. But, I love did, it. Did you ever figure... But were you you don't seem like the kind of guy that was like... Because there's a lot of dudes that I've talked to, well, a few anyways, where, you know, the voices were a way to get out of me. I got to get out of me. Yeah, but you don't seem like you're that guy. No, you know, I, no. I always knew that, like, my own regular voice is so white bread nasal but you're not getting Syracuse. lost in characters to to sort oh, of ease the pain no, of existence no no not to ease the pain of existence because my <laughs> you know i mean knock on wood my existence ate, is not uh, right, right. thank goodness painful yeah, you know, yeah, 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 yeah. especially compared to a lot of people's but you don't have that wiring in your head that's sort of like oh i need to get been. out of myself yeah, self-loathing yeah. no no um well, good for you no you it's dodged a, a bullet there too yeah, yeah yeah i get it i know a lot of people that, <laughs> sure. that have that and 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 i i i get it <laughs> But for, for me, uh, you know the the voiceover thing. It's just it's just fun. You know, it's 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 a fun thing and to do every day. Like even the straightest job is really fun for me because I enjoy solving the puzzle of the character, uh, or or the announcing, or, yeah. or, or like the commercial. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, you know, call one eight hundred blah 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 today to get your free. You know, yeah, because that's so far from like what I do, and the only reason that I know how to do it is from making fun of it yeah my whole life but you wind up getting good at it by mistake and next thing it's kind of like a like a weird kick for me to go wow people have no idea that when they see that commercial about that thing yeah you know the guy going you know it's on an all-new fraser tuesday yeah you know they don't know that that's the spongebob guy who's also you know right the, the spanglish speaking monster on this other cartoon that's uh, i kind of like that nobody connects the dots i kind of dig that and yeah and it's also cool that there is that moment where you do a bunch of reads and you know everyone in the room is like oh that was it like and it's yeah. so subtle that you know there there is like that type of work you know especially you know with the uh with the you know the throwing to shows or whatever it's, yeah it's a very specific like it has to have a resonance there has to be a it's almost like music like you hit the note but stand-up is like that too and i feel like i never cracked that code as applied to stand-up i wanted to right and i ne- i just never figured it out for one reason or another and, and i you know i envied guys that 
that did you know well, i think that's an, there's an uh, it's like in a it's a different set like that with stand up it's almost you know you have to arrive at yourself you know some version of yourself where, where what you're doing is it's almost contrary to that that you know you have to arrive at this this thing that that isn't really you that it's a, another skill set. Well, and there's also a level of remove for you right, that's right. kind of nice. It's like being a, it's like being a puppeteer. Yeah, yeah. It's like yeah, nobody yeah. sees me down behind this counter. Yeah, yeah. While yeah. I've got my hand up, Kermit's, well, you know, whatever. So it's like you know, it's. But it's also like that. The craft in that is is almost more like it has to be more uh, concise. You know, than than you know, putting yourself out there because you can. I don't know that it's more concise, well, but, but it's it's. But it's, charm doesn't play into it. I mean, if you're fucking up on stage, you know, let, your your default <laughs> is like, hey, come on, people. You know, you can't be working a puppet. You know, who doesn't talk Screw right? You, that's funny. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But you can't be working a puppet whose mouth isn't going with the words and say like, I'm sorry, I'm having a problem with my mouth. Right <laughs> right Kermit has a total yeah, yeah, yeah. Charlie Sheen type yeah. meltdown right there in yeah. front of Miss Piggy. What what is like one thing that you know that people that you know you did that you know no one could possibly know that that you're like uh, uh I have actually been <laughs> I have actually uh received money to be the person who says side effects may include diarrhea. You have? Yes. That whole list? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I've done that cuz I can How many can, of those? As you can see, I can speak fairly quickly. And then they compress the shit oh, really? out of it anyway. But uh, yeah, so so you know, just few of those or one. Yeah, a lot of stuff like that. And I did do like a bunch of like the promos for like uh, syndicated like Fraser. Oh yeah, packages. And that's something you just you sit know, there and the, you go, you kind of reel them off. Right? Yeah, yeah. You know, you do you a thirty, a, a fifteen, a five. Yeah, you know the different cuts. You know, and you yeah. do it to the yeah film. You do an so, hour of that, and you yeah. Leave. So I feel like I, like that. I know how. To, like I feel like that's the only thing I know how to do. Like yeah. I didn't, you know, never went to college. Yeah. Never, and Bob didn't either. You know, yeah. I, I I took a year off after high school to try stand up. You know, went yeah. to my dad and said, I, I, I have a, I have something in me, and there's no uh, there's no school that can teach it. And what did he say? All right. Well, okay. <laughs> he was just puzzled. <laughs> he was puzzled by a lot of the stuff that that we did as kids, particularly uh, the night that. Uh, Bob and I and some of our friends decided on a like 30 below zero Syracuse night to uh, hide in the bushes outside the local TV station where the weatherman did the weather out on the lawn. And just while he was doing the live weather, just jumped out in our, you know, underwear yeah. and our BVDs and just danced around him like freaks. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then, you, okay. then you get home and you know, I did my dad is sitting there smoking a pipe and yeah. Yeah. he just goes... Uh, Yes, I saw you on the news tonight. <laughs> oh, brother! Is he still around? No, he he died about uh, about uh, ten years ago. But but, uh, but was he happy with your success? You know, or? he he lived just long enough where SpongeBob was starting to get uh -huh. very popular. You uh -huh. know, he he didn't get to see the full fruition right. of it. But but he yeah yeah he got to he got to uh, he got to see me like have a house and stuff. I, you know, I, so, must, I, I think that's a good story. It's nice. Yeah, yeah. he's he's great. So. You know, there you go. It's like, uh, you know, if there's anything uh, inspirational about us at all, it's just kind of let your freak flag fly. Yeah, no, uh, no, uh, there's no wasted time. You know, every goofy thing that you learn how to do, actually, well, a help. lot of it winds up coming in handy in unforeseen <laughs> odd ways. As long, as long as you survive those things. As long as you survive those things. Yeah. And, and, you know. Yeah, you'll survive. You just got to find the like-minded, uh, the like-minded people that sure. other freaks that that yeah. make it. Uh, that make it fun and keep it uh, keep it fun. And well, luckily, we know a lot of those those uh, people. Yeah, and we're all getting older now, and we're doing okay. I know. I'm looking down the barrel of fifty. I never think 
in terms of age. Yeah. Because, you know, we make our living basically acting the same way as we did when we were 22. I know. It's a little weird. So yeah. until I look at my driver's license or walk past a mirror. And catch yourself. That's oh, that weird Oh, shit. I'm an old guy. I forgot. Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. and kids kind of help because they're, they're a daily uh, yeah. a uh, reminder. reminder that the clock is running. But, <laughs> yeah. but I got to say, like, this is the first. I never thought I'd give a crap about turning 50. Yeah. But this is the first time where I'll have thoughts like I'll look around my house and, you know, like like your place yeah. here, it's just floor to ceiling books and yeah. records. And I go, I better start reading faster. Yeah. <laughs> or I'm my, not going to get through all these. Well, that's good. That's Odds better. are I'm not going to get through all this they, shit. My, my, that's better than what I do. I look around and go like, what do I need this shit for? Oh, like, I, mean, I do what, that too. What, 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 you know, it's, Usually it's my wife saying, what do you need this shit for? <laughs> You're like, yeah, you're kind of right, but the, the minimalist, the the minimalist and the pack rat, all new Tuesday. You know? Well, thanks for talking, Tom. Thanks so much, and boy, did we talk. We did. It was good. Thanks. I really had a great time. Okay, man. That's it. That's our show. I hope you enjoyed that. Go to wtfpod.com for all your WTF Pod needs. Of course, always get on that mailing list. Kick in a few shekels. Check out the merch. Get the app. See who's been on the show. Leave a comment. Just go to look at the thing. It's a lovely website. Get your justcoffee.coop over there. If you get the WTF blend, I get a little on the back end. Oh, that rhymes. That's going in. That's part of the plug now. Holy shit. All right, I got to go get monkey. Um, And as always, Boomer lives. Take care of yourself. I hear a crying baby. You're a crying baby. Maybe I should go to the doctor. <laughs>